Matthew chapter 14. This is uh, it's a very odd thing for me to do, and, and that is to choose something so common, so it's so much, this has been so much preached on and talked about in the last few months, and yet uh, the Lord impressed upon me even last week that in preparation for this, this day, this Wednesday, that uh, God wanted me to go back over it again, and uh, normally I would... I would run from that. I'd like to find something that nobody's looked at, something obscure perhaps. But Matthew chapter 14, Peter walking on the water. It has been discussed and mentioned. Dr. Jim preached it. And we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to have a little fun with it today, something a little bit. We're going to try it. Never mind. We can do that. Okay. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to see who can, who can succeed at this. Um, Matthew's account is one of the accounts of this event. There are three in the New Testament, three accounts of it. But let's just, let's do this in beginning. Let's just read down through this. <clears throat> How many of you had this in your Sunday school here, whatever, month ago or so? Did you have that? Did everybody around your table? In, in uh, okay, quite a few. I know it's been a little while. It was before the... You know, 0-100 series there, I think, or early on anyway. It was, uh, and I want to just maybe even mention some things that were talked about around our table at that time. <clears throat> it is a unique story. All right, Matthew 14, beginning in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. We're in Matthew 14, and now verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. When they were gone over, they came unto the land of Gennesaret. Let's pray. Lord, I pray even from this um, common story, we might hardly wonder what, what could there be here more for us. We've talked about this, and it's been referenced here in, in recent days and weeks and months. It's been preached from this pulpit. What more could there be here? And yet, Lord, it is a living book. And uh, so it is, it's, uh, it's infinite in its breadth and depth. And we, of course, if nothing, for no other reason, we just need to hear it again. So help us, help us today, even on this Wednesday, to get what you have for us today from this text. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the first thing we're going to do is, William, if you have right next to you, maybe Micah can help you with it. Uh, and hand those out. <clears throat> we're going to hand out something that's going to help. I said we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. And so that's what we're going to do today. When the New Testament has additional accounts of the same story, well, we can either flip back and forth to get what is available there to, the, to us, or we can do this. We can parallel them on the same sheet of paper. And that's what we're going to do. That's yours, so you can 
Take out a pen, write on it, do whatever you want, mark it up, take notes. There it is. And uh, so have you seen something of that sort? Dr. Paul, I'm sure you have, okay? Kind of paralleling the text. And uh, so right away, you can glance at that and tell me then which of these authors, Matthew, Mark, or John, really tends to give more of the account. Which one do you think has more of the account of this story, Peter walking on the water? Okay, Matthew has more, but do you notice that for the account of Peter actually getting out of the boat and walking on the water, only one of them has that portion of it, right? Do you see that? You're not, you're not getting this yet. The other two are blank when it comes to that. When you get down to the story in Matthew, which is Matthew 28, uh, 14, 28, which is about Peter. Peter, wow, if it be you, Lord, can, would you bid me come? Let's, let's get out here on this water. There, it is um, Mark and John don't say anything about it. They never brought that up. Only Matthew. But there's other things that they bring up that Matthew doesn't. That's why many times this, you know, if you're going to preach Peter walking on the water, you're going to preach it from Matthew. But there's things from the other texts that are part of the story that you need to study there in these Gospels. And uh, rather than have you flip back and forth, okay, I've just put this in your hand and we can uh, get started on this. Now, <clears throat> and maybe I'll... Summer school, sometimes I do this, just enlist your help a little bit with it. We're a smaller group. So we'll kind of do a little bit of a DBS here. I like doing that. Amen. All right. So, uh, so you, yes, it's possible you could get called upon. It could happen. I don't know. I'm so sorry for it, but it could happen. Even in chapel, it could happen. All right. So we're going to talk about what it takes to get out of the boat. What does it take to get out of the boat? Now, let me ask you. All right. Is it a good thing to get out of the boat? In the context of the story, is that a good thing? Yes or no? What do you think? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I mean, as a Christian, we read the story and whatever. When you're seeing David against Goliath, is it a good thing that he get, went down there on the field and knocked the guy down? Yeah, that's a good thing. Now, the other guys, there's so many more that didn't get out of the boat. Right? They're up on the hill looking at the giant. So here we have a boat. <clears throat> the giant is a storm. Or maybe our own fear. Could be a number of giants here. But anyway, there's uh, one man who got out of the boat, and there's how many that didn't? You might have to borrow a couple of digits from somebody next to you. All right, so there's 11 who didn't. Is that a good thing? Did they play it safe? Yeah, oh, well, yeah, okay, yeah, they played it safe. Okay, so at the end of the story, what's the umpire saying for the 11? Safe! Yes or no? Well, then how safe was it? Because I got heads going, no, no. Or was the, was the call at the end of the story, you're out! And only one made it in, scored. Is it safe? Is it a good thing to be in the boat? Is it a good thing to be in the boat? Well, I don't know. I mean, we're gonna, we need to get that from the text here. We'll figure it out. <clears throat> the Christian life is in the boat, you know. Then the Christian life is sometimes getting out of the boat. Who told them to get in the boat? Can you see it? Is it in the text? You're not making it up? Who said it? Yes, but who recorded it for us? Matthew and Matthew and Mark both tell us the same thing. Jesus constrained them to get in the boat. Okay, now at that point, is it a good idea to get in the boat? Oh, yeah, it'd be a bad thing. You've got to get in the boat. You guys get in the boat. Now, constrained, does that, does that seem to mean that they wanted to get in the boat? Or maybe they were reluctant to get in the boat? No, no, yeah, okay, you guys get in the boat. No, I'm, get in, get in the boat. No, I'm just not like that. You get, 
you need to get in the boat, okay? However Jesus said it, it seemed like for whatever reason, we don't know. We don't know. There's conjecture, okay? Well, maybe they had a premonition of what was going to happen that night. Maybe already the guys are going, uh, it doesn't look good. I don't know. We don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that, aren't you coming with us? Could be that. Oh, you're not coming with us. John would seem to head that direction with it. You're not coming. You're not. What do you mean you're not coming? That idea. We'll look at that closely. For us, to get in the boat seems to be that Christian walk. Okay, let's get in the boat. Let's do what we're told. We're going to be in the boat. Christ is saying, you're in the boat. Sometimes he's in the boat. Sometimes, while they're traveling on the Sea of Galilee, sometimes he isn't. This is one of those occasions where I'm not... No, you guys are going out. Maybe they're saying, how about tomorrow? Let's get in the boat tomorrow. You know, uh, night, it's hard to navigate on the, on the water at night. And, uh, you know, if, if a storm is coming up, maybe it's already cloudy out here, so it's pretty dark. Uh, are some of, these, some of these guys, are they, have they ever been in a boat? You think? You sure? Oh, yeah. Some of these guys, they know boating, right? Yeah, oh, they're very familiar. They're professionals. Some of them are professionals. All right, all right, that's fine. We're going to look at really five things about, but you understand that at some point in this night, it was a good thing to get out of the boat based on what we know of the story, right? And seemingly at that point, it was not a good thing, so not, not as good to stay in the boat at that point. It's interesting. How do we know when to get in the boat and when to get out of the boat? Well, Jesus said it. That's not that hard. Don't worry about it. What did Jesus say to do? When he said, get in the boat, get in the boat. When he said, it's time to get out of the boat, get out of the boat. Okay. So that's not hard. This isn't complex. It's really simple. But it got complex because only one got out. Only one. 8%. 92% stayed in the boat. Well, you could, say, you could say he only told one to get out of the boat. You could say that. Yeah, you could. But why did he only tell one? Because only one asked him, is it time to get out of the boat? Only one asked. 92 didn't ask. There is a reason why they didn't ask. We need to discover that. And I don't think that can be discovered in Matthew. So actually, let's start with the end. Let's do that. Let's start with the end. We've got some time here to work our way through this. And I think the ability for us to look at all three passages at the same time is going to be a real help to us and to do it quickly without having to move back and forth here. We're going to start with the end, which is the very reason why. I want you to go down to Mark chapter 6, which, of course, Mark. Go to Mark and verse 51 there. You see it? 51. And he went up into, unto them into the ship. And the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Now, stop for a minute. To my knowledge, this is the only place, I could be wrong on this, but I searched a little bit. It's the only place where these two words are put together, and really in the Greek, but sore amazed. In themselves beyond measure. Sore amazed. The only time that they're joined together. And, and really, what we're what the Holy Spirit wants us to know is these guys are blown away. If you put this in a vernacular, you can't come up with stronger language. You cannot, I don't think you could come up with stronger language in verse 51 of the 11 and how they feel about this. Now, we do need to define that. And he went up unto them. Who is the them? Who's the them? Look at verse 31 of Matthew. 
And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, who's they? Jesus and, and Peter. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship. Who's they in verse 33? That's the 11. You have to make that differentiation. Now go back to Mark 51. And he went up unto them. Who's them? The 11. He went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed. Who's they? The 11. They are just blown away. These are those that didn't get out of the boat because they didn't ask. Is this time to get out of the boat? Now they, they were fine, right? We're fine in the boat. We're going to stay in the boat. And, and by the end of this, they are stunned. You can't put it into words, what's going on inside of them. They are, it's like they're speechless. They can't even believe this. What do you suppose it is that they can't just, cannot, we, we can't wrap our minds around this. How many ways English, in the English language can we put this? Their mind is blown. Can you imagine 200 years from now translating that into something and people are going, blown? Their minds? That'd be gross. Anyway, um, what is it? What is it that they're sore amazed about? What is it that they can't wrap their minds around? The wind ceasing. Anything else? Is there anything else that happened this night that they just, I don't have any context in my whole mind, my experience for what just happened. They are like, Whoa. and then Jesus comes up here, and the thing goes, whoosh. and these guys are, whoa, what's happening here? Watch, 52. For, because, their mind is blown because they considered not the miracle of the loaves. For their heart was hardened. Do you know what I think? I think verse 52 of Mark 6 is the key. I think it's the key to the whole thing. If you ever wonder why the 11 didn't get out, Mark 6, 52. What, there's a problem here. Is there a problem here? Yeah, there's a problem. It's not that they didn't get out of the boat. It's the reason why they didn't get out of the boat. It's the reason why they're not where Peter is, spiritually. And I can't say dogmatically that it was God's will for them to get out, but we understand. Wow, look at Peter go, and we, we look at these. And uh, how, how is the faith of these 11? Lacking? Like, according to 52, it's like, not there. It's not there. For they consider not. The word considered here means to put a couple of things together. That's literally what it means. It's for us, we'd say, put two and two together. Oh, it's like connecting the dots. There's another phrase that we have that is what that means. You, oh, that light bulb moment. Oh, now I get it. They didn't. They didn't get it. They haven't connected the dots. They're still trying to figure out what two and two is. Peter got out of the boat because he did get it. Because he did connect the dots. Because he knows that two plus two is four. About what? Not about tonight. It's not about tonight. Right? 52. It's not about tonight. Whatever happened tonight happened because of something that happened before tonight. Eleven didn't get out of the boat, not because of all that's going on tonight, but because of something before tonight. Do you know the struggles in our life uh, predate the trial that you're in right now? Predate it. And they're like cascading effects. They're domino effects. If you begin to walk by faith, then guess what happens? Light begets light. Faith begets faith. We take another step. One step begets another one. And you, you know, you have a walk. You have a walk, a walk becomes a journey. That's your Christian walk, your Christian life. 
But these guys sat that night. They sat it out in the boat, rowing. All right, I want to go back to whatever 52 is talking about to find out why. Why was it only Peter? So let's do that. I didn't make a sheet for this one, so we're just going to take Mark's account, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark 6. And let's take a few minutes here to see what just happened. And whatever just happened that they didn't get, but we better get, that's the reason they didn't get it, but, but, but then Peter somehow did. We're in, uh, we're in Mark chapter 6 and verse 32. They departed into a desert place by ship privately, and the people saw them departing. And many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all the cities and outwent them and came together unto him. Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. It's all a good thing. But it kind of turned into a storm. Do you know what the storm is? What is the storm? I should, we shouldn't even have to go any further. You should know. What's the storm of the day before? What is it? Feeding the 5,000. There's the storm. We can't do this. This will never happen. This is bigger than we are. Verse 35, And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about them and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Do you understand that whatever they don't get, they're going to take with them and not get the next one either? It's the reason they didn't get out of the boat. The reason they didn't have the faith that Peter had. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down in the companies. And of course, then he, he fed them. Now again, Later on in that same chapter, at the end of the storm out on the Sea of Galilee, the Holy Spirit's telling us that the, re- the reason that they didn't function properly in that storm and failed that test is because they didn't get this. Okay, that's pretty obvious. Well, then let's do a little exercise. I want you to look through that passage right there, uh, Mark 6, beginning in verse 32 and just succeeding verses. And pick out the things that are part of the storm. You know, the wind is blowing strong and the rain is coming up and the swells, the waves and all that. Okay, that's of the next storm. But what are the things here that are part of this storm? What in the English language indicates to us that this thing is going bad? It's going south. It's bigger than we are. Give me one thing. Daniel, one. We're in a desert place. What does that mean? Like, is there sand everywhere? No, actually, one of the accounts said that there was grass everywhere. So that's not what it means. But what is it? There's there's nothing around civilization. There's no Culver's, no Chick-fil-A's, not even a McDonald's. I mean, even if there was a McDonald's, it'd still be a desert place. Anyway, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? That's what it means. It's not talking about sand. It's talking about there's not much here. There's not, there is not the ability to meet the need around us. They're looking around and their circumstances are just not, it's not happening. You ever do that with your school bill? Some of you are, yeah, I know, some of you are grinning, you're already making the applications, I guess I can just keep preaching. Holy Spirit's preaching to you. I, you know, I got this trial going on, whatever it is. Some of you have been sick. Some of you don't know how you're going to get your money together here for the fall. There's a lot of things represented right here. A lot of them. Could be any one of the things we're talking about or long-ranging things like, how am I going to deal with this personal issue of mine? Uh, Anger or whatever. I got besetting things that I just cannot get. And you're looking around yourself and you're going, this is a desert place. 
I can't find anything here that's going to help me. Here they are. So one thing is, that's part of this storm. It's, uh, there's not an immediate solution to this thing. Give me another one. There's several of them. There's several of them. Like, everybody in here ought to have one. And it's... Okay, th- does it say that? Yeah, we don't. Anybody got a semi? We got nothing. What do they got? Jesus says, well, go figure it out. What do you have? And uh, the Gospel of John is the one that's going to tell us that uh, I think it was Nathaniel that went and looked it over and came back and Nathaniel, Andrew, but anyway, one of them came back and said, we have what? Five loaves, two fishes. What are we talking about? Pick and saves, finest, multi-grain. What, what are you thinking? You think this kid, this was a dinner of a kid, right? A boy, a lad. What did he bring with him for the What did mom pack him? Five multi-grain loaves? I don't think so. Fish? Huh? Salmon? What are we talking about here? He had, he had five of these, and he had two fish. How big are they? Show me. Show me how big they are. Yeah, that's right. Dried, shriveled up. You know what dried fish look like? Dried little silver whatever. You know what he's going to do with those? He's going to gnaw on them. That's about all that's there. Then, then with whatever's left, he's going to pick his teeth with when he's done. That's it. That's what he has. That's what we have to feed how many? How many? Come on. What's the number? Give me a number. Well, it says 5,000. But literally, we know that's just the men. Besides, I think it was Matthew's account said, besides the women and children. And it was a boy's lunch, so we know we've got one. But, but Matthew's account says women and children. Besides the women and children. So I don't know what we have, 10,000. Let's use 10,000. That's probably still conservative, but let's use it, 10,000. Is that a lot of people? How'd you like to feed them? What can 10,000 people eat? That's a lot of food, 10,000 people. And we have brought one boy's lunch. Now the disciples are looking at that lunch and are they thinking, are they thinking, now that'll work. These guys are looking at that saying, that's not even enough for me. I, what, that's a snack. We're hungry. Yes? This will never work. No Culver's, no Chick-fil-A. We're looking at this. It doesn't even look good, but, I mean, it looks good now that I'm hungry, but it's a snack. It's not enough. Okay? Give me another one. Do you see anything else in there? Come on. There's, there's things against them. Judson. It says the days are Okay, what's that mean? Yes, yes, and? And they, and they kind of reference this. And? Peter. And? Yeah, it means stuff's closing up. We don't have, uh, you know, Big Gulp 7-Eleven. History Civ, you know what that's for, 7-Eleven. Uh, to... Uh, you know, 24 hours a day. We no. Pick and save's closed. We're closing up. They're looking for something around them that's going to meet the need, and it's, we're dwindling. We're not going to make it. Is there anything else there? There, there had to be something else. Anybody else find something else that is against them? We didn't mention this. I guess we mentioned the food. What about the money? Do they have the money? Does it appear that they have the money? No, actually, one of them, again, I don't remember, Andrew and Nathaniel. Andrew, it's in John's Gospel, said uh, 200 penny worth is not enough. And it wasn't like we even have that. Like, we don't even have that much. But even if we did, that's not enough. So they don't have finances. They don't have food. I mean, we got snacks. And, uh, and, the, and the night is coming, and we've been here how long? We've been here all day. Verse 35, when the day was now far spent, they've been here, which means snacks aren't going to work. These people are hungry. They're going to eat extra. 
Okay, there's the storm. There's the storm. How'd they do with the storm? Did they believe? Was the need met? Somehow Peter caught it a little better than the other 11, that the need was met. Let's do take a look at the need being met. Uh, let's go down to verse 41. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, now notice this carefully, he did what? Why? Why? Why did Jesus look up? Because <laughs> there's very little to look at down here, right? <laughs> if it said he looked down, that's discouraging. Look at what I've got here to work with. It's shriveled up. It's uh, two little fish. How many of you like to gnaw on those two fish? Anybody? Yeah, I figured there'd be some in here. I just had to ask. I'm sorry. We'll expect you at the altar here in just a minute. <laughs> but he looks up. Why is Jesus looking up? Yes. Yes. Where's the answer? Here? Is the answer here? Around? And it's not here. Where is it? The answer's here. Now, you know, this... Academically, this could be a duh. But honestly, why do we fail at this then? Why then are we sometimes one of the 11 and not Peter? With whatever the issue is that we have. It could be a matter of personal sin. It might be a matter of just lacking faith in an area, deliverance from something. We don't look up. Do you understand? We don't have a propensity to look up. We look around. Well, this won't work. Then we get frustrated discouraged, angry, we look around at our circumstances or what we, what we have in hand. That's even more discouraging. It's not going to meet the need. This is exactly what Mark 6 was talking about here later in verse 52. This is what they missed. They were standing there watching and they're already dismissive of this. I imagine if you watched them, they're going, this is ridiculous. And he told us to sit them by hundreds and fifties, and we've done all that. It's all done. We're sweating now, and it's getting darker, and he's got this. With, oh, brother. They're dismissive of this. And then, if they would just watch this, he looked up. And then what? What was the next thing? What's it say? The next thing. He blessed. What does that mean? Well, John said it. There's three Gospels. This, this is in this part of Mark 6. is in all four Gospels. And John came along, of course, the last of all of them, and shed a little additional light. And he said, well, the three of them said he blessed. John said he gave thanks. That really was the blessing. Now, look at this. Look at this. So Jesus... If he looked around, does he, does he see a solution? If he looks down, does he see a solution? No. He looks up and thanks God. And we got 12 guys standing around here watching this. Maybe they're still dismissive. Maybe they're saying, what? maybe they're scoffing inside. What is he thinking for? Look at what we got. Maybe you are when you look at your bank account. Does Jesus know, though, he has something to be thankful for? Okay. So then he does. He looks up to heaven. He, I'm sure, openly, publicly gave thanks. I wonder what that sounded like. It's not recorded for us. Father, I thank you for the provision for these 10,000. Can you see it? No, you can't see it yet. It's not here yet. But he's thinking, because we're trusting. He has faith. And then what's it say next? What's he do next? What's the next thing? Come on. 
Well, it happened. What did that look like? <laughs> he starts breaking and he keeps, he keeps breaking. He's keep, there's more. Get another basket. There's more. How many baskets did they have when they were done? How many did they have throughout that meal? If 12 what was, what was left over, how many did it take to feed 10,000 people? Baskets. He just kept, just kept doing it. He just didn't stop. He's not stopping. Now this basket's full. Take it over there. I don't want to take it. I want to watch him. Why is he doing that? Where's it coming from? What preceded it? Look up and thank, thank you. They saw that. And now what does it say? It says in Mark 6.52, they didn't consider that. They didn't put two and two together. I don't know. They were still. What just happened? I don't know. Did you see? I don't know what I saw. Somehow Peter, not, one, not with the 11, some P- Peter who just walked back, back into the boat off the water. How did you do that? He put two and two together. This just happened, like just yesterday. Now we're wee hours of the morning. Didn't you guys see what he did yesterday? Haven't you seen what God's done in your life already? Haven't you seen it? Jeremiah, did you see it out on trip? Joseph, did you see it? Joseph Cain, have you ever seen God do unbelievable things in your life? Sophia, God save you and bring you out of the public school and land you here. Isn't that glorious? What has God done and you just haven't considered it? You, you, you haven't put two and two together. You haven't connected the dots. What God has done for you and you're still trying to make something happen with what you've got in hand. That's when we get pretty discouraged, right? Because it's a desert place around us. It always will be. Frankly, it needs to be so that we can look up when are you guys going to look up? All right, we've got to take the time that we have left is slipping away from us because this wasn't even the point. Let's go back now. Get back to your sheet here and let's get this. The first thing you have to do to get out of the boat is consider. You have to consider what God's already done in your life. Well, I think he wants me to get out of the boat because, wow. By the way, if you're in the boat in a storm <clears throat> and like the storm is like a storm storm, then what's it like outside the boat? Better? If you are a sailor, like a professional, do you know what it's like to get out of the boat into the water in a storm? What does that mean? You're dead. You're done. Do you understand that? You never, ever, unless the thing is slipping below the waves and it says SS Titanic on the side of it. But, but even then, what did they do? Did they go, oh, look, the water looks better than this? No, 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 no. The lifeboat. Everybody that went from one boat to the next boat to the next boat. Carpathia. I didn't give an answer that second semester. Lived. Everybody that went from the boat into the water. Everybody. Now here's Peter saying, I'm going to go out in the water in a storm. Everybody knows you don't get out of a boat in a storm. You know what? It's time for us to get out of the boat. It's time. I think we all agree that staying in the boat is not the thing to do in this situation. Number one, how do we get out of the boat? Consider what God has already done in our lives. He's already done miracles. You're not going to sink. When Peter sank, Jesus said, O thou of no faith, little faith. You know what? I'll take the little faith that he had that got him out of the water and got walking. He did something that has never been done before with little faith. Little faith. Number two, what do you have to do to get out of the boat? Number two, you have to get in the boat. Is that true? Can you get out of a boat that you've never gotten into? Do you know that there's young people sitting in this 
auditorium right here, and you've never gotten in the boat. You're not fully in on what God has for your life. You're not fully in on, the, on this section of your life, on this plan for your life. You're still resisting somehow getting in the boat. God brought you here to BCM, and it is common every day for every uh, year. We graduate too many times. Young people who are here do, maybe do fine, get decent grades, but we know they didn't fully get in the boat. You want to get out of the boat? Get in it. Imbibe what's there for you at every stage of your life, not just BCM. You men, if you're an assistant pastor somewhere, you, be, you get in. Your internships, some of you, Taylor, where are you? Yeah, hiding over here. Yes. You going on an internship? Get in. Get fully in. Don't put one foot in and call it good. Get in. Your summer, what God has for you, all of you, get in. And when you're here at BCM, get in. Do you suppose your demerit record would indicate whether you're in or not? Ouch. Maybe not fully, maybe not perfectly. Ouch. Get in. Imbibe it. We were having an interview the other day with a young man in India just a few days ago. There he is on the computer screen, India. And we're talking with him, and he's talking with us. India. Did I say India? He's coming from India. Maybe. We'll see. There's still some hurdles, but there he is. India. Manipur. And uh, one of the deacons says, have you read the handbook? It's not really a dumb question. Have you read the handbook? You know what he said? This is what he said. I'm going to quote it to you. Yes, I have read our handbook. You catch that? How can he be in when he's not even here yet? And we've got students here that wouldn't say that. They've been here three years. And you don't say our, my, somebody else's, what they're imposing upon me. And it's possible that the demerit record shows that. Get in. You can't get out of whatever you got in, that you're not in. It's pretty important. It was here. You know that Jesus is constraining you. Get in. I brought you here. Get in. Maybe you've fooled yourself. I'm, well, I'm here, aren't I? I got the, I got the badge around. I, we've had people graduate, got the piece of paper, and they never got in fully. Number three. <clears throat> Why was Jesus not with them? I'm going to do this real quick. Why was Jesus not with them in the boat? Why was Jesus not with them in the boat? He was praying. What do you think he was praying for? You know, the Bible doesn't tell us. And it could have been a variety of things. But what do you think he was praying for? What do you think he was burdened about? Did he know they weren't connecting the dots? What do you think this whole thing was? Who made the storm? All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Who made the storm? There he is, praying. Is he praying for you? Is he, made, is he ever living to make intercession for you? Is he praying for you? What did he do with the loaves and fishes? What did he do? He prayed. They knew that. They saw it. They heard the prayer. And this night, they know that he's gone apart to pray. They're in the storm. How can you get out of the boat? How can you do, you know, otherwise risky things? Do you know that Jesus is praying for you? He prayed over the loaves and fishes, and look what God did. Connect the dots. He's praying for you. Look what he's going to do for you. He's praying. Right now, he's interceding for you. You look around at your circumstances. You look down at your provision. You're going to get discouraged. It's not here. It isn't here. Look up. And in that look, you'll know that Jesus is praying for you. When This is a phenomenal thing, but when they saw Jesus on the water, all of them, what did they think? It's Mark 6, 49. What did they suppose? It says they supposed what? 
They supposed what? Well, of course it is. We look out on the water and of course we see spirits. What else are you going to see out there? How many times do you think these guys have seen spirits on the water in their lives? How many do you think? I just, I was reading this and I'm going, why? Why would that be the first? Well, that's got to be a spirit. Didn't you see one the other day? Didn't we, when we were out, didn't, wasn't that a, oh yeah, there was a whole mess of them. Look at them all. Why would they think that Jesus was a spirit? A, what, a ghost? How many had they seen? What are they watching, horror movies? I mean, I can understand young people today going, oh man, I saw that movie, what's that noise? What's that thing I see? How many movies have they seen? Where did they come up with the idea that there is a ghost out here on the Sea of Galilee in the night, in the dark, and in the storm? Their imagination now is going beyond their experiences. They've gone so far down this road. And it's now they're missing when God comes to them, they don't even recognize him. That's a shame. They're not expectant. You know how to get out of the boat? Expect that God is going to do something. Expect it. You know what they were expecting? I don't know. Turned out to be a ghost. That's what they were expecting, I guess. I don't know. Expect it. That's what you need to do. Based on what God has done in your life, based on the fact that Jesus is interceding right now for you, expect it to happen. Peter did. Somehow, Peter got it. Since that's you, bid me come. He was in a place of expectation, not of supposing that it's a ghost. The last thing. Look what it says. Jesus says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. What? Based on my circumstance? No, based on what I'm saying to you. I asked this around my Sunday school table. Why did, why did um, one get out of the boat and 11 didn't? And one of the guys around my table said, uh, because one of them believed what he said and went with it. It's an imperative. Do it. Be of good cheer. Make a decision. What around them would make them cheerful at a time like this? Nothing. Zero. We wait until our circumstances change in order to get cheerful. Jesus said, right now, right now, be of good cheer. Only one of them said, okay, only one. And the other 11, it was like, what do I have to be cheerful about? I'm going to keep rowing. One of them obeyed. I'm going to do that. What you said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to wait for the circumstances to change. I'm going to do it right now. Be of good cheer. It is I. That's how you can be cheerful. I'm here. Be not afraid. One of them. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water. So the fifth thing is, be obedient. Peter got out the boat and he walked on the water and he walked a ways and he walked over near Jesus and then he slipped into the water because he lacked faith, right? He saw the circumstances, his eyes went to the circumstances and the Bible says he got afraid. And at that point, he now is no different in, in a sense in that moment than the 11 in the boat, right? They're in the boat afraid, now he's out here afraid. They're going to die. He's going to die. He just reverted back to that moment. Does that ever happen in your life where you made some steps and now all of a sudden you slipped back to whatever? Now you're back as though you were sitting in the boat. He's just as afraid now as the guy sitting in the boat. Why didn't he start swimming for the boat? Wouldn't that be the natural thing? Go down in the boat. Oh, I got to get back to the boat. Why didn't he start swimming for the boat? I asked that around my table. Why didn't he start swimming for the boat? One of the guys around my table says, because he's closer to Jesus than the boat. 
I went, wow, can I write that down? If you fall back, if you, if you get into discouragement, if there's a slippage somewhere, okay. You know what? It's okay. You've made some ground. You're nearer to Jesus in the boat now. Look what Jesus is able to do. It says, it didn't say that he ran to Peter. It says he what? Reached to Peter. That's how close he was. That's the difference between sitting in the boat and going out on the water. He had gone, oh, that was no use. I should have just stayed in the boat. <laughs> really? But that's how we get. See, it didn't work after all. I'm no good. I can't do this. Jesus is right here, lifted him up, and then what did they do together? Walked on the water together. Can't do that sitting in the boat. And I asked one final question, and I'm done with this, around my table. I said, uh, this is an amazing thing. If Jesus was coming near the boat, then why didn't Peter just wait in the boat? Why didn't he just wait? And, uh, and say to Jesus, uh, uh, keep coming, you're coming, that's good. Come on, you're almost here, you can do it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And why didn't he just encourage Jesus to come to the boat? I asked that question, I never thought it before, I just asked it, around my table. I said, why do you suppose, why do you suppose he just didn't wait? Like, I know it's you, I know it's you, and this is all good, I like what I'm seeing. But why don't you just come on over here, bring that over here, and, and that's good, we'll get together over here. Why did he like, come up with this idea of coming out on the water? Why? One guy looked at me and just that fast, he said, because he wanted Jesus now. He didn't want to wait. <laughs> Man, we had God sitting at our table to helping us. Are you ready for Jesus now? You ready to look up instead of at your circumstances? And whatever the need is, and know that Jesus is praying for you and that he's met the need in the past in your life, you are saved. That was a pretty substantial need that you had. We have good experience on this. Then you can trust that God will do it again. Be expectant and obedient. Without, don't wait for your circumstances to change. Be obedient. Be obedient.